Welcome to Strength and Dignity. In this show, host Michaela Estruth responds to the modern feminist agenda from a biblical perspective. Based on Proverbs 31, strength and dignity encourages the beauty of God's perfect design and the differences and unique qualities between men and women. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Strength and Dignity. This is Michaela Estruth, and you are listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. So you may have heard in the news recently discussion about abortion, again, which is a very common topic discussed in the news in our day and age, especially since the overturn of Roe v. Wade in the Dobbs decision almost a year ago. But this discussion of abortion is specifically involving a take-at-home pill abortion pill called mifepristone and this case is appearing likely before the supreme court in the coming weeks basically i'm going to outline what's going on and then discuss an article from ms magazine and how we should respond to it but first let me explain exactly what this drug is because you've probably heard the name and may have seen the word and not know how to pronounce it as i have been working on recently and you might not know all that it entails. So mifepristone is a drug that you take as an abortion pill at home. It's been advertised as a medical oral abortion, so it's for the early stages of pregnancy without having to do a surgical abortion. And then through the years, it became modeled or advertised as an at-home abortion so it would be prescribed and given to women and then they could quote take it in the comfort of their own home and then with the rise of covid in 2020 not only was it able to be taken at home but it was able to be prescribed through telehealth basically through a prescription that you just request from your doctor and they prescribe it to you and it's sent to your house. You don't even have to see a physician anymore to get this prescribed. So what mifepristone does, it blocks progesterone, which the body needs to maintain a pregnancy. And so this at-home abortion is titled mifepristone, but it's actually two drugs. It's mifepristone is the first one, and then the second one is mesoprostol, which induces contractions to empty the uterus. So it's a two-pill process. You take the mifepristone at first, and then 24 to 48 hours later, you take mesoprostol, which will induce contractions. So what mifepristone does, what it means by blocking the hormone progesterone, is that it basically starves the child. So progesterone is necessary. It is produced along with estrogen uh, in a female cycle. And so it's necessary specifically for maintaining the lining of the uterus. So if that hormone is blocked, the, the uterus lining will be shed. It will basically die. Um, so all the cells that are giving life to the developing baby are shed. And so therefore it's starving the child. It's not only starving the child, it's literally destroying the child's home. So the child is now starving and homeless, essentially. 
Um, and then 24 to 48 hours later, after that process is begun, the second pill is taken, which induces contractions. And this is advertised to women as basically having a heavy period. You might have some cramping that's likely normal, but it should pass just like the shedding of your uterus lining is just as if you're having a period. It just might be a little bit heavier. I know I've referenced this before, but I watched the movie Unplanned, um, and it, it discusses Abigail Johnson, who was a Planned Parenthood employee, and she ended up quitting after seeing an abortion basically on on screen. She saw it uh, like an ultrasound and like how the child was reacting at, to the abortion live because she was there assisting the doctor. After that, she left and basically changed her views completely on abortion and became a pro-life activist. But in her book, Unplanned, she details two of her abortions that she herself underwent as a young woman before she was married. And one of them was a medical abortion, uh, take at home in the comfort of your own home abortion. And she is very clear that the results of what is actually promised is completely contrary because she said that it was not just like having a heavy period or a bit more painful. She was like, I literally had to birth my child. And even though my child was only a few weeks old, I still had to go through that process. And it was so painful and just not not only physically painful but emotionally and mentally trying because of the the trauma of that and now all of a sudden the comfort of your own home is scarred and marred and and a painful place to be so why is this in the news now that we know a little bit about this drug mifepristone why is it in the news? Well, basically what has happened is that the U.S. District Judge of Texas ordered a ban on mifepristone, and he said that it was an unlawful drug and basically ordered a nationwide injunction, meaning that his word calling this an unlawful drug will apply across the country. Well, in response to that, the Department of Justice basically put a hold on his application and said, we're not going to look at this yet, or this won't go into effect yet until we've had time to consider it. But in response, the U.S. District Judge of Washington State said that mifepristone is lawful, and in fact, its restrictions should be lifted. He's not advocating currently for the laws to be restricted, but he has in the past. He says that the laws on this drug are too harsh, which is interesting because the laws have only been lifted or the restrictions have been lifted. So basically, it used to be an abortion up to seven weeks, which meant that you were basically five weeks pregnant because seven weeks is counting from the last day of the woman's cycle. So that means that she wasn't pregnant at that point. She likely got pregnant about two weeks later. So technically, the baby is only about five weeks old. And so they allowed that to be extended to 10 weeks of pregnancy. So this district judge of Washington says that Lee's laws are actually too restrictive, and he's been saying that with a lot of other support. In fact, 17 other states are pushing for the lift of restrictions on this drug, and those states include Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, the District of Columbia, Illinois, Michigan, Nevada, New Mexico, Oregon, 
Rhode Island, Vermont, Hawaii, Maine, Maryland, Minnesota, Pennsylvania, and Washington State, which is his home state. So 17 states, a third of our country, are saying that this pill, this two-step process that literally robs a child of sustenance and a home should the restrictions on this should be lifted and that it should have more immediate access well as i was saying earlier it's really interesting that they're pushing for a lift on restrictions because in fact restrictions have already been lifted or modified to an extent the article that i was reading from ms magazine is written by carrie ann baker and she, in her article, she fairly, for the most part, reports the news, but she definitely, based off of the Ms. Magazine website, has a slant and is on the side of Washington State and those 17 others saying that these restrictions are too harsh. But she said that reports in 2016 that the restrictions were modified and those modifications included allowing certified providers to prescribe the medicine through 10 weeks of pregnancy, like I was saying earlier. So it was extended from seven weeks to 10 weeks. Not only that, but they replaced the term physician with, quote, health care provider, which opened the door for nurses, nurse midwives, and physician assistants to dispense the medication. So it's not only a licensed doctor that has to do this, any nurse or practicing a healthcare provider can prescribe this. In addition, it eliminated the, the requirement that the second pill of this drug had to be administered in a medical facility. So originally you had to go in and take misoprostol, which was the drug that induces contractions. You had to take it in the presence of other medical doctors. Um, and so they said that's no longer required and a follow-up visit to make sure that everything's okay was reduced to remote. So it didn't have to be in person for an examination or a face-to-face conversation. It could be remote. And then finally, I think one of the craziest of all of these restrictions that was lifted or changes that was added in 2016 is that it removed the requirement that a provider had to report adverse reactions to mifepristone. So what's really interesting about that is that if something went wrong or there were complaints, they didn't have to report it. And that's honestly terrifying because later, Baker, the author of this article, points to several things saying, studies have proven that this drug is extremely safe and is FDA approved, and so it doesn't need restrictions. Well, part of the reason why studies have shown that this is so safe is because medical providers do not have to report complaints anymore, according to these new changed or modified it or lifted restrictions in 2016 and so going into that the that was the main argument of the judge in texas he was saying not only is this unlawful but it's unsafe and baker the writer of this article says mifepristone is even safer than over-the-counter medications such as tylenol over five million women have safely used mifepristone in the united states since it was improved in 2000. So this just, it floored me. I was shocked that she was comparing Tylenol to Mifepristone, this medication that starves a child and robs him or her of his home. 
is being compared to a medicine that relieves pain. Tylenol is literally defined as a brand of medication advertised for reducing pain, reducing fever, and relieving the symptoms of allergies, cold, cough, headache, and influenza. Things that most of us struggle with probably on the regular, especially once a year, I would say. I'm For the most part, people probably take Tylenol or ibuprofen if you don't use the brand name um, at least once a year, if not multiple times. Uh, because yeah, of course it's a drug that has been proved to be safe and well used, but here it's being compared to a drug that its entire purpose is for the ending of human life. And then the data that she cites over 5 million women have safely used this drug. Well, you know what that means? That means that over 5 million children have been murdered in the United States. That is number is incomprehensible we can try to comprehend it but really it's just unfathomable so that brings me to a discussion that we've already had on several episodes but going back a little bit uh the idea of mercy and so as i've been saying this this drug destroys not only the life of the child but the way that it does that is by destroying the home which is in a way destroying the woman's body because she says my body, my choice, but it is literally counteracting a normal process of a woman's body. And that cannot be good for her. And that cannot be good for her. In fact, it is completely not only against her biological design, but the biblical design. For the Hebrew word for a mother's womb is raham. And the, the root of that word means mercy. And this is what I was referring to that we've been talking about before is this idea of mercy. In a previous episode, I quoted Anne Hathaway and discussed how she called abortion an act of mercy because you don't have to bring a child up in this horrid world or have to have a child be born into poverty or born into bad circumstances and so it's an act of mercy both on the child and on the mother who doesn't have to bear that weight but in fact the idea of the womb is that it is a place of mercy it is the place for the most vulnerable for the ones who don't have a home except in this small tight safe it ought to be safe place And so this debate over abortion, but especially over Mifepristone, is a complete disregard for mercy. It flips mercy, the entire concept of mercy, on its head. And it says that it is merciful to do it in the private of one's own home because it's merciful to the woman. She doesn't have to come in. She doesn't have to undergo surgery. She doesn't have to even undergo the embarrassment or ridicule of family or friends because she can simply take a pill with a glass of water and no one needs to know. And so it's safe and it and it's extending mercy to her. But that is not the idea of mercy. It completely flips it and what it offers as disguised as mercy is in fact pain and depression and sadness and scarring and just the the complete 
reality of having to face death alone. Can you imagine having a loved one die and having no one there to be with you or to bear your grief or to mourn with you? And that is what we're subjecting women to. We're making them look death in the face and not only cope with that and understand how to grieve that, but also cope and understand how to grieve the fact that they swallowed that pill that caused that. Can you imagine just the the hor- horrible pain and sadness that that brings? So it is not merciful to the mother or to the child. And that is why this judge of Texas is saying that it is unlawful because he is calling our country to a higher standard, a standard of morality and saying we know that this is unlawful, that this is not right. It's not right for the child. It's not right for the mother. We need to do better. And he is not calling us to leave these women who need help on the side of the road. In fact, he's calling us to extend the hand of mercy and walk them through this and be with them and guide them and care for them and love them and love these children that deserve to have a life. And this just reminded me of the exact conflict in our our nation's history because what is being argued now is that the Supreme Court's decision in Dobbs returned abortion decisions to the states. And so this this court case coming before the Supreme Court again, it, basically how Baker ended her article is, well, we'll see if the Supreme Court will uphold its standards of states' rights because we should uphold this Washington judge who says that these restrictions ought to be lifted. But this is exactly the same argument that happened to our nation amidst the Civil War. It was the argument over slavery, and it was painted as an argument of states' rights and saying that each state should be able to decide the slavery issue for itself until the country finally realized that that was impractical, that slavery was a moral wrong. It was an injustice, and it was unmerciful, and it was unmerciful not to resolve it. And so our country underwent four years of terrible war to understand that it was not an issue of states' rights, but an issue of morality involving slavery. And Lincoln said in his second inaugural address that there were wrongs on both sides. He warned the country against judging, against judging the South or blaming the South for the institution of slavery and said, no, there's wrong on both sides. And he says, let us not judge lest we be judged. And that is the same today. Let us not judge the states who are advocating to lift these restrictions. Let us not judge the women who are using these pills for abortion. Let us not judge the producers who sell these products, the people who make profit off of them. Let us not judge. Let us extend the hand of mercy, extend the hand of love and the hand of Christ. Because he said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And just as Rahab in the Old Testament had mercy on the spies as she hid the Israelite spies in her home and did not give away their location. So also the Lord had mercy on her in the destruction of Jericho. He saved her and her family and she actually became the line of Jesus, the Savior. And so just as Christ says, 
Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. The Lord also commands in Micah 6, 8. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Let us do that each and every day. Thanks for listening to Strength and Dignity. This is Michaela S. Truth, and you are listening to Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM.